Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this is inspired. Lisa Goich is alongside, as always, my friend and producer of the program. Lisa, good to see you. Nice to always see you, Mitch. With this being uh, a pre-holiday broadcast, uh, because next Tuesday at this time, Christmas will already have been passed, I thought it would be appropriate to introduce you to two of the more inspirational people that I know in my life, the more inspiring uh, young men, two of whom uh, come from our orphanage, the Have Faith Haiti Orphanage in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, that I've talked about frequently on the show, where, where Chica came from, where Nadi comes from, and where we have between 60 and 65 kids at any given time. I say that because every year, uh, three, four, five of them come out and go to college. And two of those young men who have uh, attended college now, they're at Hillsdale College in Michigan, uh, are on a break, Christmas break. And I thought, if you really want to hear something inspirational, listen to these two young men and where they came from and what they overcame. Because this is a time of year where we look for inspiration and Maury always said, you know, the relationships that you have in your life are going to be the things that you draw the strength from. The relationships in your life are going to be the things that shape you and mold you, that you're going to remember uh, and want to cherish your whole life, not your bank account, not your portfolio, uh, not your accomplishments, but the people who you touch and who touch you. So I want to introduce you to two young men who have certainly touched me and maybe in a, in a way over their lives I've touched them. Uh, one is Whitley Montreville. Hello, Whitley. Hi. Whitley, tell everybody how old you are and when you came to the orphanage and under what circumstances. So I'm 18 right now, but I think I came to the mission when I was five years old. So it's been 13 years. And I came to the mission after the earthquake. That means um, when everybody lost their house, they lost everything, their family members. And um, after the earthquake, my family lost pretty pretty much I think everything so that's why they brought me to the orphanage like I have faith aid mission do you remember much about your life before the mission uh I was pretty small when I came to the mission but I do remember that um we did not have much we uh, could not eat three times a day like everybody could and um I had a skin disease too so there were like a lot of expenses that my family could not take care of and um Yes, it was really difficult for me before I came to the mission. Do you ever remember feeling uh, hopeless, like there wasn't much point in things getting better? I think pretty much everybody in Haiti at some point feels that way. Like there's no point in continuing. There's no point in like trying to work hard. Because, you know, even if you work hard, 
the next day a gang member or like somebody that you don't even know could just take it away. So mm -hmm. yes, at times I did feel like there was no hope in life. There was no point to working hard. I'm going to come back to wow. you in a second. I want to introduce you to, uh, well, we call him Naum. He also goes by Jean Veillard. And uh, tell us how old you are and your story about how you came to the orphanage. Um, I'm 19 years old, and I came um, to the orphanage probably a year or two before um, the big earthquake. Um, I can't really remember much um, about back home, but I just can remember that I was living like by like some ocean, but it's not the luxurious life. It's just like a like poor, probably mediocre life. Um, and also the moon shining at night on the palm trees. That's all. Uh, when, uh, before I arrived at the mission, uh, cause you were there a couple of years before me, cause I came right after the earthquake. Can you describe sort of the poverty that you, you were all dealing with in terms of how you lived on a day-to-day -day basis, the things that you used, what you had or didn't have? For sure. We didn't have that, um, clean water that we're drinking right now. I think we didn't have much to eat too. The place was not colorful. And also there was not much like for a playground. Um, everything was like just bad all around and no school. So it was like good like for Mr. Mitch to come down and just like change it all. Before we got there, even though you were so young, you were only maybe four or five years old, do you remember feeling kind of a uh a pattern to your days of like that there really wasn't much happening or anything new going on? Or do you remember being hungry or, or seeking love or help that you weren't able to get? It was so, um, how could I say this? Like, it was like this time of life that it meant nothing to me. Like I wake up, the same things happen over and I just forget them. It's like, like a routine over and over again, like senseless world. Yeah, so I can't really remember much, but I don't have much to say, though. So let me ask you guys, as, as you grew up and you, you're in Haiti, you're at our orphanage. Thankfully, you know, you're, you're eating now. You're eating three meals a day. You're going to school. Uh, but you know that you live in this incredibly poor country. You know that your family members who are out there somewhere, uh, who you rarely get ch a chance to see, if at all, are, are probably starving, maybe they're dying, maybe they're not able to get medical care. How did you deal with the hopelessness of that that you mentioned, Woodley, before? As you were growing up, what did you tell yourself that got you through to be a positive person? I don't think I there's a specific line that I told myself, but I do know that I had a dream. Like I know that I'm the oldest one in my family and they're always counting on me and that even though I'm I'm just a young kid I know that Haiti can't change if we have the a good mentality so I think like in the mission well while I was receiving all these things I was first of all being thankful for I for what I had but also knowing that there is a God and that God wants me to change Haiti if I can one day and so I think like even though there was no hope in Haiti I felt like I forced myself to believe that there is maybe somehow a spark of hope. And I kept that in mind. And I think that's what kept me going despite everything that was going on in Haiti. Willie mentioned hope. How important has hope been in your life now? 
pretty pretty much but at first i did not know what that word meant but mm, now like having yeah. like having people like coming down and take care of me and like feeding me with goodness and knowledge so i think hope is like something that i look forward to right now um in the like next five years or 10 years it's like a motivation that keeps me alive i guess i want to tell you you want to see an example of of hope and optimism that uh, Nahum gave us, and he's probably embarrassed that I'll tell this story, but he was maybe six, maybe six or seven. I'd been coming there for a year or two, and of course I came down every month, Lisa, and um, the kids would always say, you know, can we go with you to the airport? Can we go with you to America, you know? And, and that was always a regular question. Can we go with you to America? And, and Nahum especially would ask all the time, can I go to America with you? Can I go to America with you? And uh, on this one particular trip, I was leaving on a Wednesday and he said, when are you going back? And I said, I'm going back on Wednesday. He said, can I go back to America with you on Wednesday? And I said, now I'll tell you what, when you finish high school and you're ready to go to college, then we're going to take a trip and you'll go to America with me. And he said, OK, OK. And he disappeared. So that night we were going around saying good night to the kids, you know, kissing them all good night. And, um, I go into the boy's room and there's Naum's bed and he's got the sheet pulled over him and I see a flashlight going underneath the sheet, you know? So <laughs> I pull back, I pull back the sheet and, um, uh, I see Naum is, is reading the Bible and Aww. he's, uh, on like page two. He's still in Genesis. He's still on, uh, you know, on the sixth day or the seventh, whatever. And I said, what are you doing now? He said, I'm going to finish high school by Wednesday so I can go oh. with you. Oh. So Naum's oh, concept Naum's of high school sweet. was um, if he finished the Bible, then he'd be finished with high school and then he oh. could come with me. Oh, uh, and I teased, so sweet. I teased him about that for many years. But finally, uh, this past summer, I think it was in August, um, Naum got on a plane with me to come to America. Do you remember ever thinking about like how many times you asked me about that and how at this moment it was actually finally coming true? Well, I guess like it took a very long time, like from being six or seven reading that Bible and I still haven't finished that Bible. <laughs> so yeah, but um, I think it's pretty cool right now to be here um, after a very long, long like days of dreaming coming to America. Whitley, when, when you got up here and you, you came to college, and I want people to hear this because we're talking a lot about college in America right now and how universities may be misguiding some of our young people and, 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 and enforcing codes of political correctness and, and uh, you know, social wokeism when really what they should be doing is just focusing on education. When you got up here and got to college and started taking classes, mm. I remember you calling me, Whitley, at night when you took like your first class and you were so excited at the possibility of learning, like the whole idea of being able to go to a class and pick a class that you want to study and actually go in and, and get it. You were almost bursting out of your skin at the opportunity for an education not anything else. We're talking about extracurricular or, or uh, you know, parties or anything like that. Can do you remember how you felt 
and why you felt that way? Uh, yes, I do remember the feeling because like some of the classes that I took were like U.S. Constitution, Western Heritage, Sociology, and uh, just the thought of learning something like I want to be a politics major and become an ambassador one day. And so just the thought of learning finally about politics excited me. Plus, I had great professors. And I feel like the college that I am attending, Hillsdale College, it the curriculum is so great. You have people that want to help you, help you learn, but also become the person that you need to be in the future. And I and I feel like college should be like that, a place where you go, you learn. You made experiences too, but the whole point is just learning and becoming a better person in the future. And I feel like college is like, Hillsdale College was very helpful. You almost like wow. couldn't wait to get up in the morning to go to class, <laughs> yes. right? Yes, I have classes eight in the morning, but even waking up, I know I have to wake up at six just to get ready to get to my classes at eight, but I'm excited every day. I'm excited to wake up and just go to class and sit down and hear my professors talk and just interact in the class. Yes, I enjoy it. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. I have a question for them. Did did either of you, uh, could you ever, ever dreamed of going to college when you were the little boy under the covers reading the Bible with your flashlight? Would you have ever dreamed that college was an option to you? No, just going to America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I would do there, but nowadays, like, yeah, just like. So, so now you're in America is, and you're going yeah. to college. So you you have all of this amazing stuff happening for you. Ah, that's really wonderful. Well, uh, only I should point out that only 1% of Haitians ever get to go to college. Wow. Um, wow. And less than half of 1% ever go out of Haiti. So we're talking about kids who really came from backgrounds that, you know, if you were doing it on a graph, I guess you'd have to say they were in the very lower, you know, single digit percentiles in terms of chances, opportunities, poverty. I mean, no parents, no money, uh, no family, no background, no health care, no anything. And yet now they're in the 99 and a half percentile in terms of opportunities that Haitians get. And what I love so much about these young men and what I'm trying to share with all of our audience members is life is perspective. Yeah. Life is all about perspective. And there's probably some of you who are listening to us right now who during this week are like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I, I, you know, the holidays are just overwhelming me. I, I haven't gotten presents for this one or that one. You know, we've got to get these plane tickets so that we can uh, fly to the family thing. You know, I haven't got the, the food isn't ready. We don't have enough of it. You know, I got to get another turkey or I got to get another. And and uh, how are we going to get all? We've got seven kids that we've got to buy presents for. And all these kinds of things that we kind of drive us crazy during holiday season. And then you you realize like, wait a minute. What if the idea of even having a Christmas was a pipe dream for you yeah. when you were growing up? Yes. And I know our Christmases at the mission were special in their own way, but they weren't like American Christmases. You know, they didn't contain how many presents are we going to get. They were mostly about putting on a Christmas 
pageant, a little play. What, what do you remember about the youngest ones, the youngest days of our Christmas things and what made that holiday special for you, Whitley? Um, I do remember being a part of the play. I think I was one of the wise men. But what made the play so important was that the people that were going to watch it and that was our family members. Like After months and months of not seeing each other, finally, on December, on Christmas time, all of them would come and then they would watch us um, put on the pageant show. And I think that was that's what made Christmas special, being there and our families over. Aww. How about you now? Helping out with the plays and also helping out with in the kitchen. Yeah. So you notice what you don't hear is, yep. I got a Nintendo. Yes. Because you never got a Nintendo, did you? No, no, no Nintendo. But, and the- all your years at the mission, did you ever get any electronics? Nope, just books. <laughs> That's right, and, just books. And books interest- and music. Yes, like, interesting. You both said helping. So not instead of getting, you both said helping, which is a really key word there. Giving. Yeah. 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 Giving and helping instead of getting. Yeah. That's huge. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is what the spirit of the holiday should be. Now, I, I want to ask you guys, and you know, I know you don't like to be critical, and you know, you're not, I'm not asking you for specifics, but here in America... What have you seen since you've been here now for three or four months that maybe frustrates you or puzzles you about how much we have here versus how much we take for granted, given what life is like in Haiti? Well, I would say that some people just focus, like, for lack of a better term, they just focus on stuff. I want stuff. I want to get this. I want to get that. And if they don't get it, they get angry. And even if they get it, if it's not in the right condition or just the right shape, they're angry. And I feel like they should just connect with others, spend time with each other and just focus on the opportunities that they get to build relationship and not just focus on stuff. That, that's what I would say. Mm, what have you yeah. observed now? Um, I think that there's not much in- interaction um, from the places that I go to. Like People would always be on their phones. Like You would be there at a table. And you see, like, some people, like, on their phones talking. But back home, like, this is what matters, like, talking, interacting with, like, people and friends and family. This is one of the reasons we just don't allow any screens, you know, at the mission because we just, I don't want to lose the kids to screens, you know. I I just don't want to, uh, I don't want them turning into swipe left, swipe right, you know. But it's a challenge because when they get up to college, all the kids their habit and right i i like to think now did you guys i I haven't ever asked you this did you you read tuesdays with maury yes i did a long time ago long time ago but yeah did you read it now yeah i think when i was 11 do you remember anything from it um i also like watched the movie so (laughs) it kind of (laughs) helped i think that i remember you telling your professor that you would come and see him but you spent a very, very long time not seeing him. And you saw him probably through a TV show or so when he was sick. And I guess from my point of view that it was a pretty good time because you get to learn more. And probably if you had seen him before, you might not have like all those lessons that you like knowledge, wisdom that you got from him when he was sick. So I don't know. It was probably amazing though. 
Well, what we're learning from that book, Whitley, is that you will not go 16 years after you graduate college without seeing me, will you? <laughs> no, no, no. Keep in touch. Yeah. That's Every, right. Well, I do have a rule, and I want to say that these two have abided by that rule, and it's a hard thing to do. But I said to them, I want you to call me every single night of your freshman, you know, first semester. And every night they would call me no matter what. Every night. Hi, Mr. Mitch. Here's what happened today. Here's a school today. Now, in the end, did you find that a burden or did you find that welcome? Uh, At first, I was like, I'm in college. I just want to have my own free time, my own time. But actually, it did not turn as a burden. I was actually looking forward to the next thing I could tell Mr. Mitch and like, excited things that I did and I, I really enjoyed it yeah I think it helped out uh finishing my day and just like telling stories what happened some fun stuff yeah um can I, can I the, ask yeah oh, go ahead I want to ask each of you what was that freshman year like for you going from the mission to a college with a bunch of other kids from other places and learning you know, everything, in, including the culture of not only college, but living in the United States, having to do things like have screen time because you have to use computers and stuff in college. What was that transition like for you? Yeah. Why don't we make it like what was the easiest or most pleasant part of it and what was the hardest part of it? Yeah. For you, Woodley? Well, I would say like, I feel like Mr. Mitch made a great decision by bringing us to America one month before college. That way ah. I had a sense of the culture and what I was heading towards. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like in college, it was difficult for me to just simply connect with the other children there because they're not from the same background that I have. And um, But the easiest thing that I, the easiest thing about college was um, I feel the professors, since I'm very studious, I could connect with my um, professors very well and with without effort. That's wonderful. Oh. I think that the college campus is very nice. Everyone is friendly. So it really helped like me really, how do you guys, how can I hear this? Mm. Just, yeah, just adjust and interact with people. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Maury would be very proud of of these two as students because they really take being a student seriously. And I think because you come from Haiti, you see being a student, a college student as a, as a um, privilege, as an opportunity, as a privilege, as opposed to like the next step that I'm sure a lot of the kids that you go to school with here from America, it's like, well, I'm just going to college because I finished high school. So I go to college. Whereas you guys realize how few people actually get a chance to do what you're doing. Right. Yep, yep. Not a lot of people, and coming from Haiti, like you said, not a lot of people get the chance to go to college or even go to America for college. And I think I was given a great opportunity to go to college, especially at Hillsdale College. So what does the word gratitude mean to you now? How do you define it and how do you live it? It's like appreciating what's given to you and what's like life has thrown into you. And I've appreciated by, you know, accept everything that I have and also try to help out too. I'm grateful for the things that I got, but also I have to try to help out others too that can. What does gratitude mean to you, Willie? Um, like Naomi said, I would just add gratitude means being thankful. It's not something that you're, okay, I'm thankful today. I'm grateful today, but no, it's something that you have to keep on, keep on being thankful for. 
but also taking it a step forward, like now I'm said, and trying to help out others that don't have it. I want you to recognize, folks, that you're listening to two kids whose first language was Creole, whose second language was French, and whose third language was the language we're conducting this interview in. So, wow, pretty, pretty darn good, guys. Yeah, pretty darn and 19. good. <laughs> yeah, very good. You know, we yeah. could si nous pito nuka continue parler na Creole, oui. Oui, nuka fait ça, mais Mbakwe audience là comment ça n'obtient. Thinks I don't, I don't think the audience is going to understand. I us. love it though. I get it. I get it. I get the message. <laughs> so at this time of year, when we're hurrying around and we're, you know, oh, you know, the holidays, oh, the holidays. Um, I know that the that you guys are looking way forward to going back to Haiti, back to the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Not because it's poor, not because it's riddled with crime and gangs and all that, but because what? Family, family, family. And I feel like the Christmas spirit, it's all about being there for your family, being f thankful for, for what you have. And like heading back to Haiti will give me not only to see my family that I haven't seen like months, I think four months, I haven't seen them, but also being there for them and just enjoying a special moment. You mean the, your orphanage family? Orphanage family and my um, family, my uh, relatives. How about you now? I think it like it has to do with family and also hope. Um, give hope to the kids back at, at the orphanage that they can do it too. So yes, that's what when I was thinking. They come in they're, they're like the conquering heroes coming yes. home. You know, well, it's it's telling tales, right? You go out on the road, you go out to sea, and you come back and you tell your tales, and that oh, inspires the other kids. You're right. Right. So hopefully, all of you listening or wherever you are, draw a little inspiration from from the just general sense of appreciation that these two young men who are two of, of, like I say, 60 kids who are at some stage along the way, either already in college or heading towards college or whatever, who come from what we would call virtually nothing in terms of opportunities or privileges or, or finances. And yet through hope, through faith and constant, you know, prayer and belief uh, and looking for inspiration. And as I always say, love and food, Love and food, yeah. right? Can't, can't beat that. Food. Food. Very important food. <laughs> Love and food that. does a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, hopefully brought a smile to your face and made your holiday week a little bit, a little bit more uh, upbeat. So we thank you for tuning in with us today. Uh, Whitley, thank you. Thank you. And Nahum, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. We'll be heading thank home you. to Haiti in a couple of days. And until we get a chance to talk to you again, uh, have a very, very happy Christmas, great holiday season. Embrace your loved ones closely and tightly because that's what this is all about. And with Lisa Goich, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people. <laughs>